pitch has been the magic one tonight. This time he hits the ball to deep right field. Cody Bellinger has done it! And the Dodgers lead in Game 7! Hey now, hey now, hey now, my headphones are really freaking loud today, I don't know what I did to my settings on my headphones. Uh, welcome to the Sportscasters, my name is Steve Bennett, we are in season 10, I believe it's episode number 21 as I make a bunch of noise, kind of moving my shit around. Good podcast for you today, today on the podcast we have, we have, who's on? Andrew Marchand from the New York Post is on to talk about sports media. We'll do that first. He coined the phrase, of course, that everyone loves to talk about sports media, and we will talk about it with him in a little bit. He's the first guest this season to appear twice. So I think it's 21 shows. That means we've had 40 guests before a repeat. That's pretty good, I feel like. Also on the podcast today is Adrian Dater. Uh, Adrian, a good friend of mine, my former co-host in the podcast that we used to do called Lonely End of the Rink. He was in the NHL bubble. Uh, We will talk to him about that experience. He almost got kicked out of it. He'll tell us why (laughs) that happened in Dater fashion. And uh, we also talk about uh, the life of Eddie Van Halen. So we will also update the book club, and we will do one last thing as well. But before we do that, first things first, I just finished watching the National League Championship Series, and the uh, uh, the Dodgers finished off the Braves 4-3, to three, and they came back from 2-0 and 3-1 to one in the series. And I am a Braves fan. Not as big of a Braves fan as I used to be. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I like baseball better than I like any specific team, any specific baseball team. But I love the Braves. I'm passionate about the Braves. And I follow their games every single day during the baseball season. Not as much this year, obviously. And we talked about why on the podcast in the past. Uh, and the Braves finally, after a long time, of failing in the playoffs, made it back to the championship series. And it's been a long time since they were there. A lot of playoff disappointments, a lot of first-round losses in every way you can think of, a lot of really bad game fives, specifically last year to St. Louis, uh, where they were went to game five, and then it was like 12 to nothing after the first inning. Uh, But the Braves lost their ace, like, the first week of the season. And uh, Freed and Anderson filled in and pitched great. 
uh, while Soroka was gone, and he'll be back next year, and that's a great top three. Uh, but they failed pretty spectacularly here. Pretty spectacularly. I'm not going to be able to spit it out. They they, they failed in an unbelievable fashion uh, to the Dodgers here, and it's a disappointment because they were great, great, great in the first round, you know, winning that series two games to zero. You know, I don't think they gave up a run. And then that was to the Reds. And then they were really great again in the division series. Uh, They won that three games to zero. And then they came out and they won the first two games against the Dodgers. So they had won seven games in a row. And then they have a bad first inning. Lose a game. And then rebound, come right back the next night, win. Three to one. So they got to win one game and three, and they have Freed and Anderson and two of them. Uh, well, they didn't get good starts from Freed or Anderson. Freed especially was beat up pretty good. Uh, Anderson probably could have been beat up pretty good. He, he got hit really hard, uh, got lucky with where a few balls fell, but, you know, not good enough. And they absolutely embarrassed themselves on the basis. Uh, tonight specifically, let's talk about Game Seven. So they are ahead. I think they got, they go up three to two, I believe, and they have runners on second and third after a wild pitch, and there's nobody out. So they got one in uh, to retake the lead. Um, Will Smith had hit, you know, a uh, a single, two run single with two outs to tie it at two. And then uh, the Braves get one in, and they got second and third with nobody out. And there's a ground ball to third base. The Braves are running on contact, and they're caught in a rundown. And they get doubled up, out at home, out at third. And then they get, you know, the third out. Nothing else gets across. That was the fourth inning. They had one base runner the rest of the night. One lousy base runner. A walk to Ozzy Albies. That was it the rest of the night. And then uh, Bellinger hit a game-winning home run off of Chris Martin. So just a really disappointing way to go. Look, at when you're playing a team like the Dodgers, who are 43-17, and 17, the best team in baseball, and they're better than you in almost every way, You cannot make the mistakes that the Braves made. And the Braves had them. They had them 3-1. to And in two of the three games that they lost, they had a chance to win. But they they couldn't make the plays. They choked. They blew it. And hat tip to the Dodgers for coming back. But come on. The Dodgers were the better team in that series by far. And the Braves had them. The Braves had them. And they had two chances to win those games. But they made bad base running errors. So that's it for them. And the World Series is going to be the Dodgers and the Rays. And I hope the Dodgers finally get one. You know, get one while Lasorda and Vince Scully are still alive. Let them celebrate one more time. Uh, But no matter who wins, someone is going to double dip. Either Tampa Bay with the Rays and the Lightning or the Dodgers and the Lakers in L.A. So we'll see about that. But I guess that's a good season for the Braves. Look at, they're going to have Acuna, Albies, Sarika, Anderson, Freed. I mean, it's pretty good. 
It's pretty good. And they have a great bullpen that they rebuilt. Good general manager. Bad manager, but you can always replace him. But yeah, disappointing end. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with Andrew Marchand. Then we will come back for the book club. We got three books we got to talk about there. Uh, then we will have Adrian Dater and then some plugs and one last thing. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back with Andrew Marchand. Our next guest today writes about sports media for the New York Post, and he's making a second appearance on the podcast this season. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Andrew Marchand. Welcome back, Andrew. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I got I got to be honest. Uh, so I was r- doing some errands on Friday, and I was in between, and I and I pulled up my Twitter, and I saw your tweet about Francesa being on dog and i looked at the clock and it was five minutes away and i was like oh what timing and i put it on and i listened to it and it was so good and so fun and i and i was just like okay now's the time these guys they got to do this every week why aren't they doing this every week like i just i don't know i've been thinking about it all weekend like those guys this those guys need Mike clearly still wants to talk, right? Like, Mike sounded like the most eager. I, I mean, I talked to two people a week as guests, right? He was as eager as a guest has ever sounded. You know, he clearly wants to talk. You know, they, 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 they it's unbelievable how they, they don't, you know, they haven't skipped a beat. I don't know what the relationship's like, but I've been thinking about this all weekend. I know they've tried. I know Dog has tried to set something up with Mike at Sirius. Why not an hour a week? Am I crazy? Is there any chance? Have you thought about this at all? And then what about them together last week as well? So I don't think you're crazy. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And something like Friday many times can be a spark for those things to happen. Mm -hmm. I've I've written this and said this a number of times. I've been ashamed of when Mike retired um, in terms of, when he first retired and what he could have done. I mean, if he had just did what you just said, if he had, him and Chris had had, you know, once a week, an hour, or two, twice, you know, twice a week, Monday and Friday, an hour together, even if it was just Mike on the phone, uh, I think it would be good. I just think, you know, forgetting the financials, like, I think they both have plenty of money. Uh, I just think to rekindle that, I think, would feel good for, for both of them because, um, because they're gonna, they're they're a combo. I mean, they can be good. Yep. You know, I think Chris more than Mike can be good on their own. Um, but together, you know, Chris brings out a lot in Mike. You can still hear that Friday night, um, yeah, Friday night. And so, um, yeah, I, I do think there's something there. Now, will that happen? I'm not sure. Um, it just it, it, they've been hesitant to make it happen. I also kind of feel like, yeah, it'd be nice if it happened a little late now. Um, I 
again, like I said, I think the, the window where it would have really been special was a couple of years ago. But, you know, it, it would be okay now, um, you know, just to, uh, for many of us, like you, who grew up on Mike and the Mad Dog, uh, to hear them again. And in kind of, I think what happened with Mike is that he just sounded so, um, I'm not getting mad, but just like he didn't want to be there, you know, by himself at the end the last few years. Right. And, it wasn't a, uh, it was a sour radio show. And with Chris, he brings the energy. It, it kind of makes it um, sweet and sour, which and, I think a lot of us all like. You know, I, I think that Mike cares about what people think about him, too. And, you know, I think about the last, however long it was after he came back. What was 17 he left and then until then? So maybe three years or whatever. Or however long that was. Maybe I'm wrong about 17. Doesn't matter. The... During that time, you know, the back after this stuff, your know, fun house, whatever it is, um, yep. and the way kind of public opinion turned on him a little bit, like, I just think if he fin- really finished up now, if they did, and I mean, even Howard Stern is working from home for serious. I know they would put an ISDN line from him, go in the basement, you know, once a week. <laughs> Here he has the station. Here he has the studio. Right. Yeah. I know. And I know they would make it so, you know, he could connect with Chris. You know, and and it would be decent yep. quality. It doesn't have to be a phone call, you know. Um, and I just feel like like those guys together, you know, it's you know, it's one of those. The sum is, and you said this: the sum is great. You know, um, some of the parts is greater than whatever that is. You know, um, and I just think, I don't know. I just think it's 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 like you said. A couple years would have been better. A couple years ago, sure, but like Friday was amazing. Like, I was just sitting in my car listening to them, like, thinking, like, they're the best ever still. You know, like, they're still together. It's the best sports radio ever. You know, it's they're the best. They're the yeah. top two guys. That's it. Together, they're the, they're the best. Yeah, I, I also think they're, you know, it could, depending on the numbers, I think it could make some sense financially because I do think there probably are people um, who would – subscribe to hear them you know obviously you get a lot more with Sirius and you don't forget to add talk but like when you talk about added value that's added value and uh, I do think there's a, probably some segment of the audience out there who you know considered Sirius XM and something like hearing Mike and Chris together once or twice a week would uh, would be something that they they subscribe to so uh, I think it's a good idea um, we can pray. You know, and I, I think it could happen. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and the other thing is, the other thing is, those guys like to be relevant. I mean, they like yeah. to, they can. Mike, you know, and I got to, you know, he's had that with others. They like to headline. They like to be talked about. And when you're not on, and even though Mike kind of might be, he might be content. I do think he was he was done doing it. I don't know if he was done being Mike Francesa. Not that he's not, you know, in his daily life, but. There's a difference between, like, I used to love to hear you on the radio, and, oh, yeah, I heard you the other day. And I do think people, a lot of times, especially when they're kind of um, ego-driven, uh, which I think Mike may be. Sure. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> I do think that allure, uh, you know, draws them back. So, yeah, I, I don't think, um, you know, I, I, there could be something there. I will call Siri. I'm already a subscriber. I'll call them. I'll tell them I'll pay a couple more dollars a month if they, if they figure it out. Um, no, they'll, they'll take it. They'll take it, man. <laughs> they got to pay, pay hours. So I'm a big uh, – yeah, that's right. Maybe $120 million or whatever. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, uh, you know what's crazy about that, Andrew? I listen to Howard Stern every single day but never on Sirius. 
You know, I just think that that show has fallen. Like, I think the Howard Stern show now is worse than the Francesca show was before. You know, like, I just think oh, it's. Really? Yeah, and I there's so much. So how do you listen to the, wait, what do you listen to? Are you listening to old shows? Yeah, and there's so much out there. There's this guy who makes this thing called Stern Files. He puts it out every Monday. It's about 22 hours worth of Stern. So if you listen to a couple yeah. hours a day, that gets you through the week. And it's everything from, you know, 84-ish, you know, to he cuts it at about about 2011 when Eric the Midget died in 13, I think. Between 11 and 13 is the latest he'll go. And it's, yeah. it's amazing. And it's like I just made this decision one day, and I did this with wrestling too, where I was like, I still love this. Uh, and I want to consume it, but I don't like what it is. And if instead of complaining about it, I'm going to find a way to consume what I love. And in both instances, it's really easy um, to find. And, I mean, there's so many hours of, especially with Howard, so many hours of the Howard Stern show that I never have to feel like I'm listening to something like, oh, this again. You know, ne- that never happens. So. And, but, like, is that, like, legal? Can that guy, is he allowed to do Oh, that no, I, I mean... I, like on YouTube, they pull everything down. You know what I mean. But I think with this, with like with Sternfile specifically, I mean he's not charging, obviously, and it's really just sharing yeah. what's already out there, kind of repackaging what exists. I mean, on my on my phone, I have every known recording of Stern show. You know, I have them all archived on my Google Drive on my phone. So like I can just listen to that too. Like if you say. Let's listen to the show the day the OJ verdict came out. I can find the date and boom, listen to it. You know, but it took a long time to collect all that. But uh, and wait, but then but yeah. you don't like but you don't like the show now. No, it's not for me now. I don't enjoy it. Gotcha. And, and 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 it's okay sometimes. I'll see clips like I follow the show on my social, so if they put up a, like a five minute clip of an interview. I might check that out. You know, like if Billy Joel came on, I'll I'll seek out the interview. Yep. You know, but if I only have an hour a day to listen to Stern, do I want to listen to, you know, what it is now or this unbelievable hour, you know, of him and Artie, you know, joking with high Eric or something? Like, I don't know. It's just it's so much better. That other stuff is so much better that that's just what I do. Um, all right. Uh, let's do a couple other. I can't believe it's three o'clock already. All right. Let's do a couple other sports media things. I wanted Mike and the Mad Dog. First off, we got through that. Let's go to uh, ratings real quick. You don't seem to be as into ratings as some of the sports media writers. Now, I know everybody wants to cover sports media. I get that. I'm one of those people. Um, you seem to like the ratings part of it maybe the least. Is that true? Or um, Well, I don't know if like, like I just find them uninteresting yeah. in large degree. And I also think what people attribute them to... Uh, politics, this, that, and the other thing is largely, um, it's not really scientific. I don't think that there's a, like, I, don't, I don't think, um, you know, some days you can maybe point to something, like if you're up against the presidential debate and gets a sporting event at poor rating, but I just, I just don't think it's that interesting. I, I think there's much more interesting things to write about. So, yeah, I think in large part, it's not that I, like, dislike them, I just think they're, useful when they really say something like if something's like up two points like okay who cares you know and like i i don't i try to report and focus on what i think is important not just like what someone else thinks is important i feel like sure sometimes people in the media who cover this um you know they sometimes focus on uh 
um, you know, kind of like, oh, I'm supposed to cover that. I, all right, fine, go, go for it. Do you think that the NBA Finals being down 50 to 60%, does that say something? Like, does is that a, do you think Well, that's... I think, yeah, I mean, look, it's, you can't ignore that number. There's no doubt you just can't. That number's so significant. That said, um, we are in October. Usually sure. they play it in June. Yep. There's a million other sports uh, hurt going the NHL on at the same too, time. For sure. yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Uh, it's football, it's baseball, it's everything yep. right now. It's yep. like, you know, it's mortgageboard. So uh, I think those things. To me, the one thing I would say, if you talk about TV, linear TV and watching a game and sitting down, that I think is a concern for the NBA and for all sports, but specifically how that sport is played, um, is that when you have Instagram and you have Twitter, you have every social channel, uh, the second, like you used to have to watch when I was a kid, you watched Jordan. If you were watching it live and Jordan did something amazing, you couldn't just go look at your phone or something and right. see it two seconds later. Yep. You might be able to watch Sports Center that night and they'd show it. You better be in front of it. There's no DDR. You better be in front of your TV. And if it's a six o'clock Sports Center, seven o'clock Sports Center. And when they show it at the top of the highlights, you got to see it once and that was it. Um, now, you literally cannot be watching the game on TV, have your phone on, uh, LeBron makes a great play, and within 15 seconds, that clip is on your social media. Yep. And so the idea that you're going to miss something is really gone. And I think that, to me, especially with the younger generation, it doesn't even turn on the TV, you know, you know, if they're not watching Netflix. Um, I think that's an issue in how they monetize and they're going to have to figure out because just investing that much time in a game, it doesn't. And I think the NBA is um, unique in some regards to this because it has those exciting moments, but they still play 82 games, not counting the playoffs in a, in a normal season. Um, and so there is tonnage uh, as opposed to football where there's 17 games now and you're only asking for three hours of your favorite team right. a week. Football so will always be king. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. also just how it's set up, though, too. It's, yep. you know, so, so, yeah, so I think it's a concern, but I also think that uh, there's some factors right now that, uh, um, you know, that are um, – they have to put in. They have to put in perspective. Well, I, I was thinking about what you were saying there, and I've been an out-of-market fan of the New Orleans Saints since 1987. And I was telling my brothers about this recently, and they were like, their minds were blown. I was like, the way I would follow a Saints game in the 90s is watch for the 10-minute ticker to get a scoring <laughs> update every 10 minutes. I was like, and then I would get to see the highlights on primetime. You know, on uh, yes. yeah. With Berman and uh, you know and Jackson, I'm like that's how I followed my team, you know because you know I couldn't until I could drive myself somewhere to watch them eventually in '96. But and they just couldn't even comprehend that. I'm like, yeah, guys, like I would know <laughs> when I needed to get back for the 10 minute update. I was like, it was literally called the 10 minute ticker, and uh, I, I was a slave to it. But what about the booth, the Monday Night Football booth? How how are they doing so far? I mean, I think it's okay. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's terrible. Uh, it's better than what they had last year. Mm. Not a high bar uh, there. Um, you know, Steve Levy, to me, he's like a perfect guy for them to put on the draft to replace Trey Wingo. Uh, he could have hosted NFL Countdown. 
he's a studio guy at heart. Um, and I think you hear that in his play-by-play. Um, just not as refined as some of the guys are doing the top um, top games. Um, but, you know, he has good enthusiasm. You know, Gracie's solid, and Lewis Riddick uh, is inexperienced for that role. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote this. I think they would have done the three of them a better service. You know, I know they're going to go after Romo, but if they had plan B kind of more um, defined a year ago, they could have had 11 college games, you know, to see how they sounded and also let those guys work together. So I think it's hard to be on national TV and you're still working out the kinks. That hasn't been as big a problem. They've done a pretty good job with that. The other thing is with Monday night is that we compare them to the top teams at the other networks, yep. uh, specifically, you know, the other three, you know, NBC, usually that night game was usually a good game. CBS and um, and Fox give their number one team, obviously, the best game of the week. And so ESPN on Monday Night Football is a little bit harder job because you're a number one team and you do get some good games, uh, but you don't always get a good game. So that really puts more of a focus on the booth. And I think and you know that what? is sometimes a little unfair for those guys. You know what I was going to say too, Andrews? Before we even got to hear them together, we got to hear an NFL game with Herb Street and Fowler. And yeah. Listening to that game, I'm like, wow, these guys are doing great. And I was giving them a little bit of a, all right, this isn't their main sport, um, you know, main league. I guess it is their main sport, but their main league. So it's giving them a little bit of a little bit of leeway, but they were so damn good. And then you hear those guys, and it's like, okay, they're better, but man, why not? They they got those other guys. Let's just have those guys. You know, it's like. I think that really hurt this team a little bit because I talked to a few people that night. And they're like, are these guys Monday night football now? You know? And I was like, Oh no, no, no. It's the next game. That's Monday night football. And you know, at least three different people text me on that. And I, and they're like, Oh, too bad. You know? So I don't know if that hurt them on a wide scale, but in my life it hurt them, you know, anecdotally, I know that um, some people felt that. Yeah, way. The hurt street was good. That, that was not a great play by play guy. Um, hurt street's very good as an animal. Right. Fair enough. All right. Last thing we'll, we'll end on this because it's the main reason I called you. Uh, I watched the documentary uh, the other night that you were in. Great job. I mean, you were really stole the show, I thought. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, t- uh, what about watching it? Uh, how did you think it was in terms of telling the story? Um, what did you take away from it? Just give me a few minutes before I let you go on the documentary. Um, especially uh, how you think it sets up for his return um, and how he will be perceived and taken back uh, in New York? Well, first of all, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I'm very familiar with the story, so um, it wasn't necessarily a lot of new stuff in there for me, so that's a little bit... Um, so, so it's you know, most people, you know, you aren't like you and me, so no, you know, we're following right. this stuff so closely, right. uh, you know, like normal people, people who are sane, uh, just kidding, um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're different, um, <laughs> and so, um, uh, yeah, so I would say that um, they told the story pretty well, um, you know, and I thought it was pretty fair, I didn't think it was like, I didn't think it was like a total like, oh, you know, here's Carton and you kind of, I think you got to, you could draw some conclusions on your own. They didn't say it, but you could draw some conclusions on your own of Craig. Um, but I think to set him up, yeah, it puts him in the spotlight. 
I mean, HBO, HBO documentary makes him bigger, you know, as he attempts to come back. Um, he was able to, you know, uh, frame how what he did wrong in the way that he wanted to frame it, uh, which was kind of backed up by the investigator they interviewed. Yeah. Um, so, I was, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. So, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to yeah. say, I thought that was really interesting because I think a lot of people are going to walk away from that saying, sure, he did wrong. But he did buy the tickets eventually. You know, I, I think in the end you kind of soften to his mistakes and you you start to blame the addiction a little bit more. And he comes off as pretty contrite in it and a little bit humbled for a guy that's not that humble. You know, I thought, I don't know, I thought it set him up pretty good, I felt like, after watching it. Yeah, you're probably right. Well, here's the thing. I mean, he has no choice. But, I mean, he spent a year in prison. Right. You could say, you know. That'll humble um, you. <laughs> was, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, it's exactly. So, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. And so then how's it set up in terms of uh, where he goes? I, you know, I, I've reported he's been in talks with FAN. No deal yep. yet. Um, but, you know, that's kind of, as I've written, where it's going. Um, I, at this point, I would say um, I'd be surprised. I, I, would, I would be surprised if it didn't happen, um, but it's just not there yet. Uh, and so, um, uh, yeah, I think it's, it would be it will be interesting. I'm going to just go on the assumption it does happen. You know, Craig Carter and a partner who I don't know who that will be yet. I don't think FAN necessarily knows who that will be yet. Um, and a partner against the K show. I mean, you talk about ratings. And the one thing, and I don't necessarily even love those ratings, but they've become a life of their own it's like right. you know in especially the, with uh, Francesca yeah. yeah in the Agate yeah, exactly. pages you know in the middle of the six pages in the newspaper and you know at this point it could be you know you have your baseball standings your NFL standings your NBA standings and your uh, radio standings right uh, because it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of dog's play um, you know in terms of like when they come out and even though they're kind of they're you supposed have, to be quarterly, right? They're supposed to be quarterly, but then yeah, it got quarterly. so big, people were reporting it monthly anyway. And yeah, and then monthly, exactly. Yeah. It became monthly, so, so yeah, it became monthly, and it really monthly is not really fair. You got to do a quarterly, really. Yeah. And then how do they report it versus might... how do they report it? Exactly. Yeah. Like, the streaming issue. Yeah. It's just it's like hopefully hopefully our election is less uh, strenuous than oh, that God. is. But, um, yeah, maybe not. Know, <laughs> but the yeah, exactly. Maybe not, but the um, uh, the streaming issue came in. So yes, yeah, so I think you'll have that again because Craig will play to win, and you know he might come back humble, but I think he'll get back to where he was. Now, the world's changed even in the last, you know, really the last three years in terms of humor um, and what you can go. You know, Craig said some things in the past that it won't fly now, yeah. um, and you know I'm sure when you listen to, like the Stern show. There are probably some things you're like, wow, that would oh, not every, fly every now. Every minute, every minute, every minute. <laughs> every, minute yeah, every, <laughs> every minute would not exactly. Right. And so um, it's like um, he's going to have to adjust that way. Uh, and also, I just think also when you think about it, um, regardless if, you know, the documentary softened, like, you know, in terms of understanding what he did, um, it uh, he still went to prison. So he's going to have to, I do think, you would think it give benefits of the doubt a little more. He was harsh. Like I've written before, if he was writing about, if he was talking about Craig Carton's situation on the radio, uh, Craig Carton would have 
been doing touchdown dances and, you know, would have been, uh, yeah. um, you know, singing, you know, on that, you know, dancing on the grave. Um, and so he's going to, I think, I mean, I, I mean, again, it's a radio show, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but I, I don't know. I just think with the audience, there, there's going to have to be some um, sort of evolution in terms of how he approaches it and how he goes about it. It'll be really interesting, and I think like you've been reporting, I've been following your reporting close on this. I think just FAN needs him to get back, to truly get back in that battle, you know, with um, with Michael K. And you know, I think that he'll he'll find his way there, and it will be interesting to see, you know, what his show is like three years later, and you know, without the ability to evolve slowly with the times, you know, will it be too blunt of a change for him to? to manage I'm, I'm assuming he'll be able to but will it be as good you know i don't know stern isn't as good and he's more of a morning, is he a morning guy you know i mean that's the other question is he a morning guy as compared to an afternoon guy right um yep. you know there's again I, people i thought and i kind of think it has changed i do think you know in a digital world where you're competing against podcasts and serious and everything else um it's really an entertainment you know what i mean you're not going to be able to win just on like the issues now i think sports talk radio does still have an advantage over podcasts in that it has the live element. You know what I mean? The yep. Yankees make a change at manager. You got you want to turn on the radio right away and hear what people are saying. You don't want to wait for a podcast, two people just talking. And, you know, you can. I'm not saying people don't do that, and there isn't something to it, but there is something I still think, um, especially maybe for a little bit older audience and, and, and younger. I don't know. I think there's an audience there still, where, and it's going to be there for a good amount of time. I mean, I think we have a good decade more, at least, um, where that's still important. Um, but, uh, you know, it's going to continue to evolve, and these stations have to evolve. Uh, but, uh, but Will Craig, you know, Craig didn't talk a lot of sports. Um, you know, the morning show has done well, even without Craig with Geo. Uh, they don't talk necessarily a lot. They talk sports when it's appropriate, but they also talk a lot of, I don't mean this in derogatory, but, you know, they talk a lot of nonsense, which, you know, like Stern did, and, you know, like that's what – Good radio shows are a good hang. Mm-hmm. The reason you still love Stern, in my opinion, you can tell me if I'm wrong, is that it's a good hang. You just like to hang. You're like hanging with the guys, and it's like you know, you're in college, you're in your dorm, you're in your high school, you're meeting downtown or someplace, and uh, and you're just joking around, you know. And so I think a radio show is like that. Do I want to hang with these guys? Do I want? So the biggest thing is how interesting is that person, you know? And to me. Um, that's what separates hosts. Is that a very interesting person to listen to? Um, not that you necessarily want to, you know, be best friends with the person, but like Mike, for example, and I think Francesca, there's some people who thought he knew everything, um, which, you know, he didn't. So <laughs> yeah, he, that's know, Mike, yeah. the last 20 years, he really <laughs> yeah. much, right? Yeah. But he was so ill, but if you were, but if you're like in a normal office all day and you're listening to a boss and you have your normal complaints and you get in the car to drive home, uh, from the train station or from the office, and you put on Mike, and he's just like acting like a arrogant man. You know what I mean? Like doing the whole act. It's sort of like a release. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, look at this. this is, you know, this is what I want to talk to my boss. And I think that was part of Mike's thing. I, I and so I do think Craig has that too. In that on the radio, he um, is an escape for people, uh, and even though not sometimes in a good way, but like. It's just an escape for people to uh, to to get out of like their real world and just kind of um, go into this like uh, radio um, 
radio world where they're just listening and kind of all the stories and the inside jokes. And I think, I think that's really what um, that chemistry you have with who you're working with and then the audience uh, is really kind of what wins the day. Because yeah, you're just not I think gonna you're really right. Yeah, I think you're right. I remember, uh, you know, Stern and also Mike and the Mad Dog were great about this when they would talk about movies or when they would talk about history, oddly. Yeah, you know, yeah. when it just got real casual and it was really like a bar hang, like you said. The best, when, when Howard first went to Sirius, I think the way they really built that show and made it great wasn't swearing or anything like that. It was having the ability when the show went on the air for that first hour or hour and a half, especially on Mondays or after vacations, to just talk about what they were doing. Artie, this is where Artie was invaluable to Howard. You know, oh, Artie, you were in Vegas. What happened this weekend? And they would just talk about, you know, oh, I had a girl and we went to my room and we did it. And it was great. And then she wanted 500 bucks and I didn't know. And, you know, and it was just this cat. And they would, uh, the, the room between Fred and Robin and Howard. And, yeah, exactly. You had me thinking about that there. I think you're 100% right. All right. Andrew Marchant covers the uh, sports media, as everyone else wants to do it. He actually does do it uh, for the New York Post, and you can follow him. Uh, what's the Twitter again, Andrew? Is it just your name? It's, it, yeah, it's just my name, at Andrew Marchant. But better off, just go to the New York Post. Yes. And, and just uh, yeah, click New on the bookmark. You know, or you get Twitter, whatever. Do and New York Post is a great app. I think the iOS app for New York Post is really good. Uh. You know, for someone, yeah, really good. yeah, yeah for someone great. who doesn't live in New yeah. York City, where I can just buy a paper, which I would still do if I could, uh, that app is. Well, you, know, you should get it. Yeah, well, let me, let me, let me, let me. Uh, sure. Tell how I got yeah. It's like ninety nine bucks for the whole year, man. It's like you get the full paper every day. Yep. And and it's updated all day. The iPad app is amazing. Yeah, the app is is is, is great for sure. But you have it. I'm not talking about the phone one. I'm talking about the iPad. Or, right. Or, yeah. Or Oh, you have that too? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. So you get the paper every day. Yeah. Yeah, but in digital form. I mean, like, since I can't, go, what I was saying is, since I can't go pick up the paper, that's a great way to. I physically. Yeah. 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 I think it's better. You like, I, you, or you like having that physical paper? Well, I do enjoy that just because I grew up that way, you know, but in, yeah. ter in terms of like the quality of it, this it is better because it never, it's never out of, it's never done. It, with the newspaper, once you print it, that's the paper. You know, where the the app, it yeah. has the ability to adjust to how the day evolves. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. but I, two, 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 like Sports Illustrated, when they started it, I was like, wow, they figured it out. It didn't work out. I'm not sure why, but I thought at the time, like, wow, the magazine is amazing on the iPad. This is going to save SI. It didn't. Uh, but that and then New York Post was the other one where I'm like, wow. I don't live in New York, but I want to read the New York paper every day, and this is the way to do it. Yeah, I think it's like a hundred bucks a year. If I don't know, yeah, I pay once yeah, a year and forget bucks. about it. Whatever it is, you know what I mean. I pay once exactly. a year. Yeah, hundred bucks. It feels free. Yeah, it feels free. Yeah. All right. Um, I, yeah. I, I kept you longer than I wanted to, but I want to get that out. And then, very, very, very last thing. Give me thirty seconds on your way out. What do you think is going to be the big sports media story the rest of twenty twenty? What are we going to finish the year with? I'll let you out on that. Biggest sports media story the rest of the year. That's a good question. Well, I think Card in New York Cardinal will be a big one. Yep, that's a good um, one. Actually, uh, you know what happens with ESPN might be a big deal. Um, big pitch push divert digital at uh, Disney. How will that affect ESPN? Playoffs, right? yep. That whole thing, yeah. If yeah. Playoffs possibly. Um, 
but I hate the layoff angle, yeah. quite honestly. Yeah, um, we avoid that. Um, yeah, there's no Romo contract coming up. Oh, Monday Night Football, what they do with that. But you know what I'm missing. Here's the, big one. the big one will be, I don't know if we'll get that by the end of the year, is the new NFL TV deal. Right. I think we'll get that maybe by the end of the year, maybe shortly after. But that will be a big deal, what happens with those, which um, there might not be that much movement, but you never know. I mean, it will be interesting to see. Um, and the numbers will be, you know, eye-popping, of course. And I'm most interested to see what they do with that uh, that Sunday ticket package because they've had me, you know, bound to DirecTV since 1996. I'd love to find a way to. I mean, it's my biggest bill every month other than my mortgage is stupid DirecTV. Um, but I, I got to have it because I got to watch my Saints every week, you know, so it is what hey, it you is. You are into it, man. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yep. You are into it, which <laughs> I like to hear, and, and you are into it, so it's good. Well, I got to let you go because next time I – call you i don't want you to be like you said 15 you cut me 30 i'm never doing that again so i want to let you go now but uh <laughs> thank- All right, man. i enjoyed it though good, good. conversation Same so we'll talk. thank you All right, thanks. i was a little too tall could have used a few pounds Tight pants, points, hollering out She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high I want to thank Andrew Marchand for being on the podcast today Don't forget you can find this podcast and all of my podcasts On the Sportscasters feed on SoundCloud But we're not to that point yet Right now, we got other business, and that business is the book club. Uh, Book club update for you right now. First book that we need to get taken care of next. Sooner, The Making of a Football Coach, Lincoln Riley's Rise from West Texas to the University of Oklahoma. That book is by Brandon Sneed, and I have completed the book and will reach out to Brandon, and I would expect he would be on the next episode or maybe the episode after that, but I look forward to talking to Brandon. Two books, we added them last week, are also on the fall reading list for the sportscasters. I'd like to finish them by Halloween, maybe just after the first week in November. The first one, Peyton and Breeze, The Men Who Built the Greatest Offense in NFL History uh, by Jeff Duncan. Certainly one I'm looking forward to reading. Got a beautiful picture of Coach Peyton and Drew Brees hugging with the Lombardi Trophy on the back. Uh, really looking forward to reading that one and talking to Jeff Duncan, who hasn't been on the podcast since, I don't think, 2012 or 11. So really looking forward to having him back and talking Saints football with him. And then the last book, one I'm thrilled about, it's by Glenn Kenny, and it's called Made Men, The Story of Goodfellas. I think it's 25 years old this year, Goodfellas. And... Uh, That has created a lot of buzz and has produced a book uh, by Glenn that I'm really looking forward to reading and having Glenn on the podcast. So that's where we're at with the book club. Made Men, Peyton and Breeze, and Sooner. Uh, Two football coaches, a quarterback, and a mob movie. Can't be any better than that. That's the Sportscasters Book Club. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with our longtime pal, my good friend, Adrian Dater.
Our next guest today has been covering Colorado Avalanche hockey for the great people of Denver since 1995. He did a podcast with this guy right here called The Lonely End of the Rink, and he's a good friend of mine. New Warren Sportscasters, welcome to Adrian Dater. What's going on, AD? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Steve Bennett. How are you? I'm uh, excited to be back on the podcast again. Uh, got a lot of good hockey to talk, and maybe some some good Buffalo Sabres news finally to talk about. Let's rewind a little bit, though, and go back to the bubble. Start with the bubble. What was life like in the bubble? Okay. Oh, man. I mean, when I look back on that, which I'm already doing, um, it's probably one of the most, you know, it's going to be the most, one of the most unique things I've ever done. Right. And uh, I loved it. Um, you know, what? can you imagine having an entire arena to yourself to watch a real hockey game? How many um, people were actually there with you from the media in total, would you say? There were days where um, the only there was only one other guy. Okay. So there, there were plenty of games where there was one guy, and he would be way down uh, on the other end of the media table. There's a guy from uh, the athletic named Thomas Grant who uh, was at – Almost every game, uh, he, they, I guess they, they really put him to work. Uh, going, to, <laughs> I think he had to cover every single game during the day. Um, for a while, there were two near me. There was, uh, um, God, I'm blanking on her name, but she covers the uh, the Wild for the Minnesota Minneapolis Star Tribune. Um, and uh, then there was a guy uh, who was there from the Blues, covering the Blues, uh, Jim Thomas, longtime writer from the Post-Dispatch. He was sitting next to me uh, until the Blues were eliminated in the first round. Right. After that, I was the only U.S. reporter there. Now, I uh, saw a story that someone from the Stars got denied. How did you get accepted? So He got accepted by the NHL, but I think Edmonton wouldn't let him in or whatever. Right. No, that was that was weird story too. I think he was uh, denied in Vancouver actually. Yeah, right. whatever. Um, yeah, wherever he crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> I couldn't believe he got denied either. I read that story. Uh he um so I got the same letter from the NHL. The the NHL, you know, we I went there on July 18th. I think you know, the the I didn't even know I was going to go until like July 15th. Uh, or I was going to attempt to go. So I had like three days. Of, and one of the things we got from the NHL was a letter saying that we, uh, you know, it was geared toward customs agents saying, hey, look, here's our, our, our friend here, Adrian Dater. He's uh, he's considered a, the word essential was in the letter. He's, right. he's part of our essential services program that uh, uh, us NHL people uh, also are in Canada. Hey, Please, you know, please uh, take our word for it that these uh, Adrian is a good, a worthy, you know, well, not worthy, but, you know, essential to get in, uh, signed. I won't mention the guy's name from the NHL who signed it, but uh, I shouldn't do that. I'm um, pretty sure the letter's out there, though, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't matter. Just keep it? going. I thought I'd seen the letter. I thought I did, but it doesn't matter. Who cares? Who okay. It? I mean, who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it I doesn't mean, matter. Yeah, I mean, Someone from the league, whatever. Yeah, yeah, from the league. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you saw the letter, then it says it's pretty. It's a one-page letter. And uh, so I get that. I get to – well, they don't tell you 
first of all, in Denver, the, the people were clueless. They're like, uh, well, okay, we don't know if they're going to, you know, deny you or not, but, but we sure, we sure will take your money and, uh, right, let fly, you fly uh, along. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll let you fly along to, uh, Vancouver where I had that layover. That was going to be the key place I had to worry about. So I get into Vancouver, absolutely empty airport, almost nobody there. I, I fill out all my forms and here comes the moment of truth. Uh, custom. And it was, it was a little tense there for a second. It was like, well, what are you doing here? Uh, ooh. I was like, I work for Colorado hockey. Now I like, cover hockey. You're like, they're like, who? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, I, but everything was, everything finally turned my, in my favor when I presented that letter. It's okay. like, oh, here's an official letter. So, but I had to go through one other agent, though. The first gate, the first customs agent, uh, was a female. She was pretty tough, and and uh, and then, but she got, she got impressed by a letter, and off I went. But I had to go through one more agent in the back or something, um, and he had to look everything over too. But he was a hockey fan, okay, and he was like. Oh, hey, hey, how about those Canucks? You know, what do you think sure. you're going to do? And, right. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Right. I've got a friend. I've got a... And he just waved me right through. You're like, yeah, I and think Quinn Hughes both... should win the caller over Makar. You yeah. know, <laughs> sucking I up to him. <laughs> I did say that. I did say that very thing. I said, boy, you know, I think Quinn Hughes might be having the edge over Kale Makar. He's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Total suck up. I played every card. Yeah. So now here's a weird thing that you kind of told me about. Did you get in trouble for like posting a picture? Yes. But what was the rule violation? <laughs> I didn't understand. Like, what was the expectation oh of you? Oh my god. Okay, so here's that story. Okay. All right. So I went up to uh, the, between rounds uh, when the uh, I think between the round robin and the first round or whatever it was early right. early on. Uh, I finally did my, this is after doing my two weeks of quarantine, right? You were two the weeks. Airbnb the Mounties were calling you every day. You got it. The well, cheapest possible every place, day, but I was cheapest I was place in the world. No air conditioning, bed bugs. Okay. Nope. Go on. Right. Yeah. Moose meat, moose meat. Don't forget the moose meat. Uh huh. It's disgusting. Um, the bed bugs didn't come until week three, by the way. The first two weeks are fun. No bed bugs. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So I finally get out of there. And uh, then there was a break in the action from between games. It was like three or four days where the Avs were not going to play. So I'm like, you know, I got to get out of here. Uh, it, so I got a, rented a car and drove up to a place called Hinton, Alberta. Okay. A uh, very nice mountain town, about a two-hour drive. Uh, get up to the mountain, spend a couple nights up there. That was my plan. And uh, it was great. Nice little dive motel I stayed in. Um <clears throat> And right, <laughs> right below it was a, uh, a long time like Western saloon. I, I swear to God, you, the, the word saloon that fits here. So anyway, one night I'm sitting around there, and I decide to go down to the saloon downstairs in the saloon. And then, you know, I don't drink much anymore, but uh, I hung out at the bar a little bit, and, uh, and eventually I met these guys who uh, just a bunch of nice guys, right? Right, hockey um, fans or whatever you're talking to. Yeah, them, hockey fans. The they're, yeah. they're workers in the oil fields, you know, and a uh, bunch of young, fun guys. And, uh, uh, you know, I finally found out that, 
Usually I don't tell people I'm a sports writer, believe it or not, because I know. But it got around. Right, it got around, whatever. Yeah, so it gets around. Yeah, finally. Uh, anyway, they were they were great, pretty excited, and uh, uh, wanted to talk hockey. Uh, but one of the things we did when I walked out was, uh, you know, we all walked out basically uh, at the same time. Like, we got a picture together. Sure. Right? Uh, outside. Well, next thing I know, uh, I get an email. From the NHL saying, uh, you have broken our uh, NHL Department of Safety and Compliance. Uh, we here we've we've no, we've been informed from the Canadian authorities that you, you've broken our. But how? Uh, I don't understand war. how. What did you do wrong? Somebody. Well, I was standing next to people without six feet social distancing. You were too that close to people. That was the issue. Yes. Outside, yes, outside too. Though I, I knew the rules, but I, you know, we got caught there with a, like a quick picture. It was kind of like saying, "Hey, Jay, hey, buddy, we take a quick picture." I'm like, "Uh, yeah, okay." I knew we were kind of violating protocol. But the, the stupid thing, of course, with me, which of course I'm stupid with social media. We all know why at times. Uh, well, we used to know why, but um, I know why. I posted it. Yeah, I, 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 I still don't get it. I guess I guess that. I said, hey, here's me with my buddies up in uh, Alberta, you know. Hey, hey. You know, it was fun. You know, I thought these guys are great guys. So I'm like, hey. But, and they're like, oh, you're going to post it? Really? You're going to you're gonna make us famous, dude? I'm like, yeah, I'll post it. Okay. Next thing I know, I got a, uh, somebody, some narc up there. Yeah, someone turned you uh, on. Yeah. Send it to the Canadian whatever authorities. And then the Canadian whatever authorities sent it to the NHL. And I right, because the email. Canadian authorities said, well, he's quarantined. He's fine. He can go to that establishment. Like, you didn't break any rules in the country of Canada. I don't think I did. I mean, no. the rule was you do not have to have a mask on outside. Right. Um, and uh, so I was outside. Um, okay, I was near a few people, but I don't think anybody, I don't think there's a single virus case in that city that I was at, by the way. I looked it up. All right, so that's that. But anyway, the NHL says, uh, I get this scary email. I was scared to death to open it. It's a, it says, we, you violated our policy, NHL safety, Department of Compliance. But then it says, all right, here's your one warning. Right. Not to do it again. I'm like, whew, okay, thanks. I'm going to get off the hook here. Because I thought I'm going to get sent home, you know. Um, it did say, if you do that again, we could send you home, take away your credential. So, uh, now, yeah, what do you was... think you gained from being there? Because you couldn't uh, meet with any of the players, right? No, I couldn't. <clears throat> nope, I never saw a player. Um, so even though you're all in the bubble together, that doesn't mean no, you can I was actually... No, not in the inter... inner bubble. Right, so you're, you're in in considered the outer bubble? Yes. I could go in the arena. Uh, you know, you get your temperature checked. Uh you get just socially distant seat, but I couldn't go in the locker room, and I also couldn't go in the hotel area where the players were. That was okay. all fenced off to the outside world, including media. Okay. Uh, there was some controversy about that. The NHTHWA wasn't too thrilled about that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But yep. that was the rules. Okay. Uh, so, no, <clears throat> what did I gain? I gained a ton. I don't care what anybody says. Okay, I'm, I want to hear it. What uh, was it? I gained a ton. I gained 
first of all, I gained a ton of new subscribers. Okay. From uh, so it landed some credibility, yeah. right? Like people are like, he's there. That meant something to people, and they they subscribed to you because you were there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw a huge increase. Okay, I believe I mean, that. I, saw, I believe that. Yeah. Oh, into the hundreds, into the hundreds of new subscribers. Uh, I had a tip jar that people got, you know, subscribe. Basically, it's a, a travel tip jar. Sure. If you want to give, you know, it goes to Abs Travel and 5% goes to a local food bank. Um, I don't want to brag here, but I got enough, the money I got in that tip jar funded the entire trip. Yeah, maybe you could have stayed the somewhere with trip. air conditioning. <laughs> I did eventually. <laughs> but, uh, yes, it funded the entire trip. So Good. that was fun. Um, Do you think it you know, helped you cover the games in, every, in any way? Say it again. Do you think it helped you cover the games in any way, or was it more just a perception? Uh, I thought it did help me. Okay. Uh, I heard what players are saying much more on the ice than I ever have. Okay. So I know more what they're talking about now. Um, yes, I heard a few f bombs and stuff, but mostly yeah. what you hear is uh, players communicating like "wheel, wheel, wheel, wheel." Right. Uh-huh. That's what you hear. Number one. Um, time, 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 time. I hear that all the time. But you can't hear that during a game because with 15,000 fans. So, right. I mean, I heard other little things too. Coaches and what they're barking at times, you know. I don't know. I've I definitely gained from that. Now, why do you think they time. made you sit in the press box? Why not give you like a seat in the 100 row? They did. We did oh, not okay. sit in the actual press box. Uh, we were, yeah, we were brought down to, uh, to uh, I think it's the 200 level. Seemed like you were pretty high up from the pictures I've seen. We're pretty high up yeah. still, but it was it's very high up in the press box in Edmonton. So okay. we're I so was it's better than that at least. 50 yeah. feet below that. Okay. So I had a much better view than normal. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I had some tables set up near the uh, right across the top row of the final upper section there. So, so let me ask you a question uh, question or two about the Avs. Okay. Because. I went to bed one night and I was like, oh, the Avs are going to win this. And then I woke up the next day and they like lost and they like never came back. Like it was like, I know they had that little run where they they forced a seventh game there, but it seemed like they went from the favorite to being eliminated really quickly against Dallas. Was that about Dallas or was it more about Colorado? Because I have a feeling it was more about Colorado than Dallas. But maybe I'm wrong. I, um, I I do not want to be a guy that says, uh, oh, it was all their injuries, and that's all it was. No, Dallas is very good. Team. Sure, but let's be I honest mean, here. Let's just be like, let's just put all the cards on the table. I mean, I think that uh, I think that if you had to say fifty-one forty-nine, yeah, I mean, losing seven guys in the first four games was a big factor, including your two starting goals. The goalies was the biggest um, factor. More than anything. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think so. Even though Michael Hutchinson did win two games, he won. He probably did. He won two games, was, but after the damage was done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the damage well, was yeah, done. They also, had to, they also had to score like, you know, six goals a game. Right. Um. Well, the damage wasn't quite done. I mean, they laid the seventh game. They had a 4-3 lead with three minutes and 40 seconds to go in game seven. Got to overtime. Uh, I, I guess. I don't know. I just felt like. But. It just felt, yeah, for me, got, as an outsider, Adrian, you know, I, they went from yeah. the cup cha- cup champions to not getting out of this round just really quickly. Like, it just felt like it just happened yeah. overnight, you know? 
Well, they just <clears throat> they got some horrible goaltending from yeah. Pavel Francouz in yep. games one through four. Yep. And that put them down 3-1. And now, you know, they're saying Francouz got hurt. All right, I guess I'll, I'll go along with that. It sure seemed mighty coincidental that he never played again after uh, really uh, absolutely atrocious game four. But we'll let them stay with that. You know, Michael Hutchinson wins the next game, so of course they're going to stick with him. Right. Um, so anyway. Plus they loved uh, his work in excess, so they were like, let's just go with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he was a great singer in NXS. Right. So Never tears apart. I heard a sack of He came song. back from the dead, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. For the house. So. From that accidental death uh, by jerking off. He, he resurrected himself. Oh. oh, boy. That's some way yeah. to go, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I know I've read up on some of that, I remember, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One minute you're about to climax, and then the next minute you're dead. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> All right, go ahead, back to, to the go, Avs. Right? Yeah, back to the Avs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back to the Avs, please. <laughs> Jesus. All right. No, this, hap- uh, this happened no, to the no, Sabres in 2006. That, listen, they lost Eric Johnson, too. Losing Eric Johnson was big. Well, yeah, um, in 2006, I mean, the Sabres were the best team in the NHL. And then in the second round, you know, they lost Conley, Tim Conley. And then they lost Dimitri Kleenan in that game. And then they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. And every time they won a game against Carolina, they lost another defenseman. Um, yeah. You know, so when you play game seven and you are literally down to organization defensemen five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. You know, that's yeah. hard to win. And they still had, you know, a two to one lead going into the third. So I know what it's like yeah. to lose the battle of attrition and it's frustrating. You know, it's yeah, frustrating it sure to go is. out that way. It is. And that's the second time in three years though that that's happened with the goaltending at least. Um Hutchinson has to play the last three games. This is two thousand uh uh what, eighteen in Nashville, the Avs are playing the Predators, and uh, they lose both goalies. Uh, well, one was already lost. Semyon Varlamov had his yearly groin injury at the end of the year, so he's out. And uh, then uh, Jonathan Bernier gets hurt. And they, they didn't really have any other goalie in the system except for Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar, uh, glad to play all emergency all of a sudden. Goes out and makes like a 50-save game in game five. They win, then he gets back to, you know, he got... Right, he had those games in him, but he wasn't consistent enough. You know, he had those But he hadn't played in a full year or something. So, you know, the Avs have got to figure out a way to keep their goalies healthy, for one thing, uh, you know, in in the playoffs. Because that's the second year in a row. Second time three years they've had to go with nobody to finish out the playoffs, and that's not good. Uh, But I think the bottom line... No, I was going to say the bottom line for the Avs, though, is like... They didn't. They, the window's not even close to closing. It's not even fully open yet. You know what I mean? Like I feel like well, that. Not, you know, especially I, not after. Especially not at. See, there you go again. Interrupting me all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm the interrupter. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, especially not after the weekend the Avs had, where they pick up Devontae's and then Brandon Saad, essentially for the former Saber Nikita Zadorov. They're a yeah. team. And also, Buffalo native, uh, Dennis. That's right. Uh, what's his name? Dennis Gilbert. Is that his name? Dennis Gilbert. Yeah. Pride of Buffalo. St. Joe's, Mike, Hi- Mike, uh, Joe's High School. Notre Dame College. Harrington sent me a, a DM right after that deal. Said he's the pride of Buffalo. Well, I don't know about that, but Harrington loves him. I think Harrington might yeah, have went to St. Joe's. I think that's why. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, Harrington uh, loves him. But yeah, he's very good. I mean, if uh, my brother knows him, says he's a really good player, really good guy. Um, was really happy yeah. for him. So. Yeah. Yep. He'll, he'll get a chance here. Yeah. So yeah, they had a great weekend, like you said. I mean, you gotta love picking up Taves and uh, for a couple yeah. second round picks. Like, who gives a shit about second round picks if you can get a real quality NHL player in exchange for it? I mean, yeah. I mean. Second round picks, you got to be. I will, I will stick up for giving away second round picks a little bit. You got to, you know. Make well, it depends what players. team you are. If you're the Sabers and you're yeah. trying to rebuild, maybe. But if you're the Avs and you're knocking on the door, right? Fuck the second round picks, you know. True, but especially for a 25 year old defenseman who played every single game this past year on a Barry Trotz team and had a very good year. He, you know, he's a young guy on the rise as a defenseman. It's not like they just picked up some prospect that's like, all right, he played 15 games in the A, and now we're going to hopefully he gets, you know, like Dennis Gilbert type. Right. You know, this guy played every night. He's 6'1", 195 pounds. Um, he can already play. You know he's going to be able to play. So, yeah, that was a good move for Joe Sackick. Uh, you know, he had a good weekend. Yeah, really good. I mean, maybe they didn't get the outrageously overpriced free agent or whatever, but I think in the end, you know, they showed some restraint there, and then they – improve the team anyway you know i don't know how much sod has left how good he is still but i don't i don't think he's ever a guy that's gonna hurt you right he's never gonna hurt you i don't think you're not asking him you're not asking him to be on the top line so well he's gonna play the second line so yeah uh i think he's got stuff left plus uh he's only 27 um there is some thought i have talked to some people that are outside it's like well you know good player you know, maybe he's gotten a little complacent in a sense the last few years. You know, he's gotten his money, he's got his rings. Right. You know, he hasn't really pushed himself to get to the next level so much. Um, you know, maybe got comfortable is the word. Uh, but now he's entering his U- UFA year, so you know he's going to want to overplay and get some great stats, and then he can go back and you know and go back in the tank if he wants. You know, so let's talk about uh, McKinnon for a happy. second. Because this is the second time I thought he could have won the Hart Trophy and didn't. Um, the nope. year that Taylor Hall won it, I thought he could have won it. Um, this year, I thought he could have won it, maybe even should have won it. Um, he's on the very short list for like best player in the world, right? I mean, there isn't a guy in the world that Avs would trade him for straight up. I mean, they wouldn't even do it for McDavid. They'd just keep their guy. You know, I think they'd look at it as close enough that they wouldn't even do that, I don't think. But let's say let's say McDavid aside, let's say they would do that trade. Other than that, there's nobody in the world you'd trade that guy for straight up. So like where where do you think he stands? Like is he is there have we seen the best of him? Not in that there's gonna be a decline, but like has he reached the peak or do you think he can even still get a little bit better in a way? I think he get a little better. I mean, so do I. He still hasn't hit the hundred. He still hasn't hit the hundred point mark yet as a player. And you know, a couple times I mean, he hit ninety nine, and they were desperately trying to get him that hundred point. Yeah, mark. that means I mean, nothing to me. That's close enough. Yeah, it's close enough. But he, I trust me, he wants it. Yeah, sure. Um, he really wants that. He's he's got an ego on him. Trust me. Um, I believe that. He, which uh, is good. I think. He's gonna be. I think he's gonna get better. He. Uh, you know, he is. This is like his eighth year in the league, so he's not a kid anymore. Right. Uh, but he came in at eighteen. Yeah, so, they play so young uh, now. He was actually drafted at. Uh, I think he was drafted at age seventeen. Um, yeah, I think his birthday was right like now. a couple days away, right? Yeah. 
So, uh, well, do you think he but, could get to the level that Sakic and Forsberg did? Is his upside well, that I mean, high? Mm, Forsberg is a level that I rarely couldn't go to. Uh, he's not a Forsberg. I mean, Forsberg, Forsberg literally could control the game at times, at, no matter how he wanted on his stick. Like, he, he couldn't get the puck away from him at all. Uh, he, he dominated with puck possession. Nate is more give-and-go, kind of quick-burst guy. Um, everything has to happen in a lightning millisecond with him, usually, for it to be successful. Peter sort of just dragged the whole world on his back toward the goal. And and it was, you know, just phenomenal. Better passer, much better passer than Nate, too. I mean, far better. Uh, but he's more in the psychic mold where he can just beat you with that lightning shot and his speed. So what, what's missing? Well, what's missing is the damn cup, you know. Uh, he's he's still uh, he's not he's not a great defensive player. So I don't know that know. I'm that worried about the cup at 25, though. You know what I mean? Like he just turned 25. Eh, I'm not that. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't I need a cup from a guy by 25. I'm not worried about that. I know, but you know, um, I don't know. And he's, he's really just, only played on one team that was good enough to win the cup, and that was this year. Yeah. That's right, and and it really was not. Let's face it, though, that was not going to win the cup. Even if they beat Dallas, they were right? Not, not with those goalies. Not with those goalies. Because their goalies are right. out. Yeah, and they were. You know, I was. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Like, all right, great. If we beat Dallas, and that's just we're going to get. You know, not we. I say we. We're going to get slaughtered the next round. You know, right? Uh, Vegas would have beaten them. I think Vegas would have beaten them probably, yeah. and Tampa Bay certainly would have beaten them. So. um you know, the timing is something Nate needs better. He, he's, you know, two years ago he got hurt in a game seven uh, against San Jose. Couldn't he had to miss like the first period, and I trust that team. They lost. They went down two nothing right after he went to the dressing room. I mean, uh, bad luck, injuries have crushed this team. Still, they can't stay healthy in the end. Uh, they they're always crushed. So what does that have to do? They get nothing, but. You know, he he needs more luck around him, I guess, is what I'm saying. Just uh I mean, every team needs good health, of course. How old he has been How old do you think Joe Sackick was when he won his first cup in nineteen ninety six? You know, I should know that. I think uh I have it in I front of me. I think he was uh, I think he was twenty six. Well, he was huh? either tw- I have twenty seven, but that might be because he just didn't have his birthday yet. Okay, so he was 26. Yeah, no, he was days away from being 27. His birthday is right. July 7th. So, right. so, yeah, so you're right. He was 26 right. in 11 months. Yep. Yep. He was born July 7th, 1969, right? Right. Yeah, so you I figure they went in June sometime, and he was a month away from 27. Yep. 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 So I'm right again. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Joe Sackick was 26, and, uh, yeah, I guess that's Nate's on course if he wants to be a uh, follow Joe. But, yeah. A lot of pressure. <laughs> sure. Vegas is well. Hey, when you get to this race between them and Vegas, when you get to this <laughs> level, that's who you start to get compared to, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. All, he's gonna, you know, he's got a long way to go, but that's well. He has not won the heart, so that Forsberg and Sackett did win heart trophies. Yep, uh, and they both won multiple cups. So yeah, long way, still ways to go, and he's got to, you know, he's gonna find a way to win. Um, he's got to have. He needs help too, just like every player does. But uh, well, McCarr did win a trophy. 
won the yep. won the call. Is he as good as I said he was? You, I was I was right about that one, right? Was. Yeah, I was right about that. You were one. right. Yeah, you were right. One, one. I mean, <laughs> one of the few you times. Were right. Yeah. No, I was, no, I didn't say it. I didn't say <laughs> it. No, you were absolutely right. Yeah, I told you about that one. I told. I mean, he's the fourth overall pick, so it's not like I was going out on an absolute limb. But you know. Yeah, but I was a. I was thinking, ah, oh, this guy's, you know, UMass. I mean, he's, you know, terrible competition. How good is he really? You know. Well, he was good. He was good. All right, and Hockey East is not terrible competition, by the way. So, I know, I know. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking old UMass. I did grow back up back east, as you know. And I, yeah. uh, God, that was such a laughing stock for so long. But, right, but the competition um, yeah. isn't his own team. The competition is who they play, and they're in Hockey East. Right, I know, right. I know, yeah. I know, yeah. I know. Um, I know you're a college hockey guy. All right, let's move on from the Avs. I'm bored with them. We'll see what happens. Colorado Hockey now for more information. Um, not as good as what they're putting in the Athletic about the Avs, but it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I try. <laughs> all right. Uh, what'd you think of uh, what happened here with uh, Taylor Hall and his one-year, eight million dollar deal for hopefully to satisfy our suffering captain here? Hopefully, he's pumped. I, I mean, I'm happy for. Good to see people Buffalo, right? I, I think it's great. I, you know, I thought more about it. And like, you know, all right. If Taylor Hall says he wants to win, that's fine. But you know, the Avs could have won still without Taylor Hall. So let's, you know, let's let's. I think it's good for Taylor Hall to be in Buffalo because you know he's going to be more spotlight on him, and he's going to have more responsibility on him, which I think is what he likes. Um, I don't know if he would have loved playing here with. Nate and everybody else hogging the spotlight. Right. I'm not saying he's a selfish guy, but you know what I'm saying. I'm like, and I think, I think he, he wants, wants to run back what Skinner just did, right? He wants he wants to, of course, play next to and Jack, score forty goals, and make eight million next year. Yeah, he's gonna have that comparison the whole way, and yep. hopefully he doesn't go in the tank like Skinner did the next year. Right, but uh, you know, um, I think it's great. I uh, the more I think about it, him playing with Jack sounds like just a dynamite duo. And, uh, you know, he's from Ontario, so he's probably happy being a little closer to home. Yeah, he's in Kitchener. And, uh, I think he's from Calgary, though, originally. But he lives in... Oh, is he from Calgary? I thought he was from Ontario. He lives in Kitchener during the off season now, but he's originally from Calgary. Uh, okay, all right. So I thought, okay, so I guess it depends on how you want to call home, but... Yeah, right now think, he lives... Uh, yeah, right now he lives in, in Kitchener. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think... I mean, I think he's going to have fun. The Sabres fans, as we know, are just friggin' awesome. They're the most loyal fans in the world. And uh, he works his butt off for them. He's going to be beloved in Buffalo. I mean, you see what you know what it's like when a player busts their hump and performs in Buffalo. They, uh, they build statues for him already. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, so I think it's good. I, uh, I'm happy for the Sabres and what he did. I do think that, uh, you know, <clears throat> if, if, he wanted to absolutely. His goal was to win a Stanley Cup this year, and probably wasn't the best choice. Went, yeah, if he only went to Buffalo because of a difference of one point five million, then I'm like a little suspect of Taylor Hall. Well, look at he um, obviously didn't obviously winning the cup. He said as much in his his press conference that when he weighed everything out, he just felt the economics of waiting a year to commit long term was 
better to wait till next year with the uncertainty of the pandemic over and you know one year closer to expansion and all the reasons that it was a little bit of a soft market for him this year you know and and i think that you know people say and mike harrington who i can't believe you know he's a friend of mine and friend of yours but he's so guilty of doubting hockey players wanting to be here because yeah. For every reason you would oh, say for every reason you would say it's a bad reason for maybe an NFL player, it's a great place for NHL players, especially the yep. ones from southern Ontario. You know what I mean? Like they love for sure. playing here and living here. I mean Scotty Bowman, sure. how long did he stay here? Till he was like seventy five years old, he's never left. There. Yeah, I mean Yeah, there. I mean he basically lives in Florida now. But yeah, he still has a house here. Yeah, you know, like he raised his family here. He's still in Buffalo three or four months a year in Buffalo, I think. And I mean, that's like, he's not a, an exception. Like we have hundreds of hockey players, you know, to, like who came here and never left, you know? Yeah. Um, wow. Hundreds? Huh. Yeah, I would probably say a hundred, maybe a hundred, you know, wow. of out of yeah. market hockey players who settled here, you know? Hey, listen, you don't have to. You don't have to uh, promote Buffalo to me on my way. I love that area. I mean, every time I go there, I'm like, wow, now I see why people want to live here with the, with the, all that water around. Uh, once you, uh, and then you go up to Niagara and all those places around there. I mean, it's fantastic. And I love it. It's I love cheap Amherst. to live here. I'll never forget driving up and down that road in Amherst one night. I'm thinking, damn, there's a lot of places to eat around here. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, you're probably on Niagara and, Falls uh, Boulevard. I'm sure I was. Whatever yep. that main drag was, yep. I had a ton of places. I remember going into some fantastic Italian restaurant, like old school, like Sinatra playing. Yeah, Carabas probably. And, I mean, I had the had the meal of my life in there, and the the, the, the it's like a family who ran it. All these great old Italian people. Like, I felt like their lost, long lost son. The way they treated me it was awesome. But I think it was good the for them. It, they needed it. The the off season was first started okay with the Eric Stahl trade. And then, yep. for some reason, every Sabres fan thinks they're an OHL expert around the draft time, you know. And and they were, <laughs> they were convinced that the guy they picked from uh, the Ottawa 67s, Jack Quinn, was not as good as the guy they didn't pick from the Ottawa 67s, Marco Rossi. Know. You know, they've never oh seen an God. OHL game, but then that week they're like, "Oh no, we just we definitely picked the wrong guy, definitely." Oh, oh my God. Can we talk about that for a second? Oh. Like the draft, the quote unquote draft experts. People out there are, oh, they're so that. fake. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, everybody's such a, there truly is like this little niche now of these draft experts, the draft gurus. Everybody thinks they're like Mel Kuyper of hockey now. Right. Yeah. These people, I, I swear to God, they don't do anything. They don't go to any games. There's a couple guys who put the work in, right? Like Chris Peters, I think. I follow yeah, him, and Chris he's Peters. always at a game. You know, he's always at a game. Yeah. yeah. So I'll buy yeah. it from him. Yeah, and then, and then, right. But these other guys who just, you know, I mean, they make up the, it's just, oh, my God. They, they drive me a little insane, too. Like, oh, my God, what a home run. And they pick 28. Yeah. You know, Pierre McGuire does that, too. And all, I love Pierre. And everybody does that when they do those draft shows, especially on TV, right? But. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about... And the uh, fans you know, are even worse. Um, you know, the fans are even these worse. These internet... Yeah. yeah. these internet draft experts. Yeah. Um, they just knew... They have. Just, they know for a fact already that Rossi <laughs> is better than Quinn. They know it. So. I know. And then they but also... They got bent out of shape here because the Sabres re-signed Zemgus Gergensen's and not Johan Larson. You know, it's yeah. like... 
we didn't they didn't pick the fourth liner they wanted to keep and they have like all these analytics why the fourth liner we didn't keep who played eight minutes is better than the fourth liner we did keep who also plays eight minutes it's like come on really johan larson versus zemgis gergesons oh i know what's the difference like film rooms on the guy who played four minutes a night. You know? They got like charts, like, you know, like his, heat maps. His and... injuries are one better than the other guy. Steve, we gotta go with this guy. You can't let him go. He had two... 0.2% better zone entry. Like, I'm fine with analytics and using it as a portion of your over. I think you need it now in hockey. It should be a part of your decision. But when you're getting to the sure. point where you lose your mind over the decision they made on what fourth <laughs> liner they kept. I know. I mean, come on. I agree. I agree. I like analytics too. It's good. More information is better. Yes. Not, but come but, on. Yeah. It's just. It's the demeanor of these experts too. They're so self righteous about it. Like, come on, dude. Really, you don't. You have not been to a game at all, uh, seeing any of these people play. You haven't. You, you're sitting around watching YouTube videos and reading charts and making your decisions on how good a player is. When we, you and I, who both not only played the game but watched the game religiously in person enough, know that that very you know minor part of how a player really is and what the value is to a, a team you know, hockey players are it's a team thing and players some players are going to be better you know fifth on a team even with lesser analytics than another guy and that's good for a team i mean bad I, for a team. and i just feel like if the sabers don't play, break the playoff drought next year it's not going to be because we had zemgis gergesons instead of larson Careful now. You don't want to upset those analyst guys, too, because they will come after you, too. All right, uh, one last thing, and then i got to go. Let's talk for a minute okay. about Eddie Van Halen, because yeah. I almost uh, bumped you to get Greg Ren off, but I f- you were so excited to come on, I couldn't do that to you. Um, and I figured uh, and I figured uh, you could talk to me about Eddie, too. So let's, let's talk about Eddie for a, a few minutes. Um, obviously, uh, he passed away. Uh, it's crazy to me that in the same year, you know, Neil Peart... And Eddie Van Halen yeah. died in the same year, uh, which is crazy because oh. arguably the best rock drummer, arguably the best, you know, rock guitar player. Just arguably, we don't have to have the argument. I'm just saying they're both in the conversation. Um, what what kind of a Van Halen fan were you? Talk about. Give me a few minutes on Eddie. What did you think of Eddie? Well, first of all, I was a huge Van Halen fan who bought their original album uh, when it came out on vinyl. I was 13 years old and never forget it. Uh, had heard about. You know, the Kiss Connection. 19- yeah, well, yeah. I was just going to say there's yeah. a Kiss Connection there. Yeah. That's why I like them a lot too, because Gene Simmons allegedly discovered them. Right, especially if you ask Gene. A, gave him a free, gave him a free demo tape. Right. right. Yep. And uh, produced it, I think, or just gave. But then they didn't it. sign them. Right. right, and then they stupidly didn't sign them. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was 13. I bought the vinyl album. Word had gotten around already in my school in New Hampshire about this band. I'd heard there, you know, you ride the bus as a 13-year-old. You, you, you hear in the back, there's always a kid in the back who was playing uh, the late, some new rock album, right? on the, you know, Always on cassette tape, right? That's how you had to play in a, in a bus, obviously. And I would hear that album and hear, like, Eruption going. I'm like, damn, that sounds pretty freaking good. Right. So 
So I bought the album, became a huge fan. I'd blast the albums. I'm 13 years old, blast them on my headphones. And uh, I was I was hooked after that. I, uh, you know, I bought the second album. I bought uh, Fair Warning. I bought, you know, everything. I uh, I especially loved Diver Down, the album, for some weird reason. Right, with the, uh, even with though the covers. It wasn't their best album. Right. It wasn't their best album, but for some reason, I loved that album. And sentimental value. I think I, it was one of the first albums I bought with my own money. That's probably it. Uh, I think my mom bought that first album for me. Uh, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Eddie, I, I would say he was the best rock guitarist since Hendrix. You know, I think that's sure. the argument. I think Hendrix. I mean, there's uh, the handful you know, of five or six guys you always hear, right? You know, you hear of course, Hendrix, you know, Jimmy Page. Pure innovation. Right. Pure innovation, pure, you know, out of the box difference. Uh, Jimi Hendrix was, you know, still in a class by himself, I think. But but that but Eddie was just a little bit different in a, in, a, in a class by himself too. Like I'm not sure Hendrix could play like Eddie could. Um, I I think probably Eddie could play like Hendrix. But the question is, could he done it in 1960s sure. technology? Right. Like yep. Like Hendrix did, you know. Well, because um, Eddie developed a lot of guitar technology too. Right. You know, that's kind of an underrated part of him. Guitars. Yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, guy spent all his time building his own guitars. He was just fanatically devoted to his music. Um, you know, you knew his health was going bad. I mean, he smoked like a chimney for yep. so long. Um, you'd, you'd, you'd sort of hear it in his voice. You're like, ah, that doesn't sound good, Eddie. Knock off the bus, man. Did you um, did you bail when Hagar joined the band, or can you get into Van Hagar too? I didn't bail, but I I never was the same. Um, I I was I'm a Diamond David Lee guy. Sorry, I I just <clears throat> I like Sammy Hagar. I think he's a good guy. I think he's got some good songs, but their sound just changed so radically that. Well, but the sound had already sound, changed with 1984, though. Don't forget the sound changing didn't yeah, have much to do did. with didn't have anything to do with Sammy really. The, Van Halen well, wrote the Van Halen wrote the songs that Eddie wanted to write. Come on, let's be honest about that. Right. You think you think no, uh, Sammy Hagar showed up and was like, "Oh no, Eddie, we're taking this in a different direction." No way. The reason that no, the, he did what he wanted to do, you know that's true. Come on. Of course, Eddie ran that band. Yes, I mean, Eddie was the band. Yes, I mean, it's got his name on it for God's sakes, you know. So Eddie was the man. Of course, I knew that, but it just sounded. I mean, Sammy they are different. different. They're different bands, right? Like, yeah. David Lee Roth is sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's a party band, right? With for the and for the better, like everything about. I say it in the most positive sense. And then Van Hagar is a little bit more serious, right? Like it's a little bit. Well, it's different. Yeah. It's a different focus. You know, they they write more yeah. love songs than they do. You know, it's more about the relationship with uh, Sammy, and it's more about the deed with Dave. You know, it's like. It's just a little bit of a different tone. Obviously, Sammy's the much better singer. I mean, that's not even a debate. Um, well, but maybe yeah, Dave's but, a better frontman. His rock voice was so unbelievable when he first started out. The way he hit those high notes—I mean, that's pure jungle sound and rock and roll. Um, Sammy sounded more like a screech when he's got his high notes. David sounded more like a like a lion or something to me. I don't know. Yeah, again, I, I think you're, he... you're getting into more preference in terms of quality. There's no debate who the better singer is. You might like the style of Dave better, but I mean, in terms of singing, I mean, Dave. I mean, I the Dave proof is that sing. Sammy can sing Dave songs. Dave can't sing a Sammy song. 
couldn't touch one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say he can sing Dave's songs. He didn't sound like Dave, though. Those well, no, but he wasn't favorite. trying to, but he can sing them. They When when 5150 came out and they went on tour, they played like three or four Van Halen songs, and yeah. they, they pull them off. Look, if yeah. the, I can already tell you're the kind of guy who just loves Dave <laughs> And there's no, there's no, li- there's no reasoning with you on it. Like, okay, no, see, no, see, no, no. You no, were born. No. I like. You were born like in an era. Van Hagar. You were, I love right here, right now. I think that's a great song. Okay, I mean that's a great, great song. Which coincidentally was um, written in 1983. Uh, but it was. Yeah, Eddie it had was. that. He wrote that, then wrote Jump. So here's what I'm trying to say, though. You came up with Van Halen that way. Right. Yeah. So where I, what I didn't come up really in either. You know what I mean? Like, what yeah. I my initial exposure to Van Halen was the 1984 record. I was four years old. I would hang out with my uncle. I remember the jump video. I remember jumping when he said jump to like entertain <laughs> his friends and stuff. So I was exposed <laughs> to them. You know. But then also I remember at six years old sneaking into my uncle's room and playing the 5150 CD on a CD player, which was the first CD player i ever seen. And so I was kind of right in the middle, and I was naturally able to, without any prejudice of having something I love destroyed by this guy, which is the way many people of, of, of the original Van Halen feel about it, that their band was destroyed in some way, that this guy took away the fun, you know, that which it had nothing to do with him. You know, it was a, a, an interpersonal relationship between Dave and Eddie that is the reason that Sammy yeah. joined. Um, but I'm just in a unique position where I was just able to appreciate both and very easily be able to say, okay, there's Van Halen and there's Van Hagar. I love Van Halen for these reasons. I love Van Hagar for these reasons. And, uh, you know, I, I love all the albums. I mean, I love balance. A lot of people don't like balance that much. I think it's a very underrated Van Halen record. You know, the last one with Sammy, um, but what about what about the one year with Gary? Uh, you know that that album is okay with Gary Sharon. It's it's definitely yeah, by, by far my least favorite. But also, like he didn't yeah. get a fair shot either. You know, like no, he didn't. You know, so like if you but listen he made, to that, he made a he made a video though. It has Cam Neely in it. Yeah, if you listen to that album in a vacuum, it's a decent rock record. You know, it yeah. just it just doesn't reach. Like, let, let me ask you one. Yeah. Let me ask you one question about Eddie. Sure. Uh, does the fact that a lot of, I mean, Michael Anthony, Sammy Hagar, David Lee Roth, all had major, major estrangements from Eddie at some point. And yeah. Probably to this day would have still been there. Does the fact that maybe Eddie was the very, maybe he was the very difficult guy to he get was. along with. He was. Yeah, the band, brothers, kind of, you could you could even say the brothers, right? They were both very difficult. Right, the brothers. Yep. And Alex, yep. Alex, of course, never had a problem. Does that taint a little bit of his legacy in some ways? Is it you or do you think No, because I think if, you, if this was a sports team, yeah, but in rock and roll, I think you'd get away with it. You um, know? Yeah. It's sad that Michael Anthony especially got... He did, but but also like it's Van Halen. I like I get them wanting to have Wolfie in the band. Yeah, but come on, I mean, I get it. Let's face it. I love Michael Anthony. He's one of my favorite bassists, and he's so important to Van Halen because of his backing vocals. So important to that band. Um, So important. So important. People will sometimes underrate him, but I do understand. 
this band is Van Halen, and we got a guy named Van Halen. My son, I wanted him to yeah, be in the band. I get that. I just and I hey, mean, by the I, way, like those tours wouldn't have happened without those tours wouldn't happened. The only reason they did those tours because I mean, Wolfie talked him into it. I I know, but geez, you know, it's I, that or nothing. Like, it's right, that I, or nothing, Ad. You know I, what I mean? Like, I get the fact that they hated Dave. I mean, Dave sounded like a complete asshole at times at those. But you know what, though, you listen to a couple of his solo albums. They're pretty good albums. Well, yeah, Steve Vai's yeah, a pretty solo. damn good guitar player too. You know. Um, yeah, well, you know, he is. If you, you know, it's like but, sometimes you go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, and you know, David David Lee Roth was able to go from Eddie Van Halen to Steve Vai. That's not too bad. Um, yeah, but uh, look at I like both, and I love Eddie, and like he's the genius. You know, like no matter what we say yeah. about any of the other people yeah. in the band, you know, like Sammy's yeah. one of the great rock singers. You know, uh, Michael Anthony's yeah. one of the great bassist backup vocal combos dave's yeah. a great frontman, right. but the genius is eddie right he's oh, the yeah. genius oh absolutely he's no the, question he's the beethoven I mean, the guy, you know the guy was yeah he was the beethoven he was the he was the star of the band really i mean he was he did everything he was absolute genius is the word he was innovative he broke new ground uh in music and that's to me that's the legacy is that he you know he started an entire new wave of playing and then of course everybody tried to copy him i seen were them nearly as good i seen them twice each with one singer and both on what's considered the worst tour with that singer so um but the 04 show i seen was very good was see the problem with the 04 show is that eddie's drinking was so bad that he would usually have mm-hmm. bad nights but he was on in the buffalo show he wasn't that drunk mm-hmm. if drunk at all um so i think we got lucky i know if you if you go to the like <sighs> The hardcores who like followed that whole tour and stuff, they'll say Buffalo is one of the five best shows. So I got lucky, and mm. I remember being at mm. that show and just never even looking at anyone else. You know, like trying to make a point to like, oh, let's watch Sammy sing this, and you do that, and then right back, your eyes would just go right back, Daddy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was. Oh, I love Daddy. I mean, yeah. I love. I love. I thought he was a great interview too. I mean, I love when he's actually sat down and talked music and stuff, or his life. He's a very nice guy, very, uh, very, very smart. I loved his interviews. Um, so yeah, I guess it's just a little difficult to work with at times. But uh, as when you're many geniuses genius can you, be, your right? Standards are so yep. high, yep. especially when it comes to music. It's, you're not going to get along with most everybody else. Well, it's one good thing, up to your standards. One good thing I heard this week yeah. is Sammy has come out to say that they had put their relationship back together the last year. Yeah, he was saying that yeah. mostly on text, right? Yeah, yeah. I hope that's true. I hope he's not just saying that to be nice. Uh, I doubt yeah, it because you know what, was... Wolfie would call him out. Yeah, because Wolf well, Wolfie kind of like Wolfie. Wolfie keeps everyone in line on the internet. You know what I mean? I think if Sammy was bullshitting there, Wolfie would call him out. Yeah, yeah. Wolfie is pretty active on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I can you shamefully. I have to say, can you believe I never saw Van Halen in concert? That is a That's shame. A shameful statement. That is a shameful statement. Yeah, I've seen. I know. I want to each singer. I suck. Yep. I suck. All right, uh, AD. Why don't you throw some plugs out right. there, and then I gotta go. Okay, man. Well, you can find my work on ColoradoHockeyNow.com. It's a uh, subscription site, but we got a lot of free content on there too. We call it the freemium model. 
site devoted 24-7-365 to Colorado Avalanche Hockey Club and and the minor league team as much as we can fit in. Um, maybe some college hockey in there, too. And we plan to get some more DU coverage in there this year, assuming we all get louder in the building and then we have games, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's where I can find me. And uh, we're, we're plugging along. We're doing well. I want to thank my friend Adrian Dater and Andrew Marchand for being on the podcast today. Don't forget you can find this podcast and all episodes of the Sportscasters on our SoundCloud feed. That is soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can also uh, find us on Twitter at sports underscore casters. And you can email me, the sportscasters at gmail.com. Also, greetings from Allentown, my favorite wrestling podcast in the world, at GF Allentown Pod, is where you find my friend Peter. He's talking 1988 November wrestling challenge this week uh, on that podcast. A really good episode right before the second ever Survivor Series. Also, the Place to Be Nation podcast. I wanted to mention that this week because I am on it on the 19th. I'm going to be putting this up on Monday the 19th. And on that night, I will be recording an episode with Justin and Scott. We are talking April of 1991, an MSG house show uh, from from that from that month and year in New York City. I'm looking forward to that. It's the first show after WrestleMania Seven, uh, so we'll be doing that. And also, they're getting towards the end of the uh, Saturday Night's main event run, the original run on NBC. Uh, but I will be on this week there with Justin and Scott. And don't forget, you can find Justin's stuff on his feed, which is the North-South Connection. Uh, and I really recommend Justin. So if you got to listen to some other guys to get Justin, well, at least you get Justin. All right, one last thing from me today. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the iPhone. Uh, the iPhone 12 series was announced last week and I have had a lot of iPhones all right it's kind of my thing you know when the new iPhone comes out I like to get it I'm not one of these guys who has you know the iPhone 4 for four years and then he gets the iPhone 8 you know and now he's getting the iPhone 12 I I have had every iPhone uh, since the first one I didn't have the original my first one was the 3G, and I've had them all, and I enjoy getting them every year, but every year, it feels more and more silly to do it, you know, and these things have big price tags, but I lease mine, you know, and I, I pay a monthly amount that it really makes no difference if I'm on the fourth payment or the 40th at any given time. It's the same amount. You know, the phone, I pay on my phone bill pretty much the same amount regardless uh, if it's brand new or one year old. You know, at some point, I guess those payments would end and my bill would be $40 cheaper. 
Uh, but to me, it's worth it to to have that new phone every year. Or is it? <laughs> right? Because every year, I get the new phone and I think, okay, <laughs> what's different here? You know, because it seems like a while back, you know, innovation stopped on the iPhone. And instead of innovation, the phone is really just keeping up with the technology every year. And I see the memes online, you know, this guy, he's wearing a, a flannel shirt, you know, and it says iPhone 11 and he's un unwrapping a present and it's the exact same shirt and it says iPhone 12. And I laugh at that because I know it's true. You know, I know there's not a great difference, you know, in these phones, but it's just kind of my thing. You know, I like getting the new phone. I like buying the new case. I like the new accessories. I like the shiny screen. My iPhone that I have now, I have the 11 Pro, has a scratch on the screen. It drives me nuts. You know, I can't wait to start over with the 12 and not have that scratch. Now, last year I had a nightmare. What happened last year is I pre-ordered the iPhone 11 Pro and it got stolen in Syracuse when it was shipping to me. And nobody wanted to take the blame. AT&T wanted to blame UPS. And UPS said, look, it, nobody stole it. It came in an empty, an empty box got shipped. Now, that seemed pretty easy to disprove because it had made six or seven stops on the way to Syracuse. And nobody ever said, hey, this is an empty box. So I always tended to believe that it got stolen in Syracuse. Uh, and it just started the most ridiculous chain of events uh, that... You know, it took me a long time to get the phone. You know, then they assumed I got the phone that was stolen. So they started the 30-day period that I need to turn in my old phone. So then they charged us for the old phone. And then that was a nightmare to get that money taken off the bill. And you never talk to anyone twice. Nobody really cares about you. And it just it really soured me. And I thought, you know, am I going to do this again? And here I am, you know, a year later doing it again, checking over and over again on line to see if the shipping date has changed, you know, has it shipped yet? And when that phone is coming, I'm going to start to feel butterflies. You know, it makes me feel a certain way. I'm excited about it, as silly as it is. You know, and this year they announced a 12 mini, which I would never own. You know, that's <laughs> that's for children, I feel like. And then they announced the 12, which, again, I, I feel like is something that my mother-in-law or my mother would buy. And then they announced the 12 Pro and the 12 Max, 12 Pro Max. The 12 Pro Max is just too big for me. It's just way too big of a phone. And this year they're even bigger. So the big phone from last year is an even bigger phone this year. And the phone that I had last year, the 11 Pro, the 12 Pro is bigger as well. So my phone got bigger anyway. So I considered making the jump to the Pro Max, but it's just too big for me. I don't like having a phone that big. Uh, and then, you know, Tammy was asking me, like, so what's different on your new phone? And there are a few things this time. Uh, there is the MagSafe, uh, which Apple revived that technology. There's a magnet in the phone. Uh, and the reason they brought it back is so that you can line up the wireless charger, uh, which is also on a magnet. And that's a really cool technology. 
uh, and I blow through those wires. Uh, so as long as this thing stays on pretty solid, it will really help me at night uh, with being able to use my phone uh, and also be able to charge my phone because I listen to you know, Howard Stern all night long because I need that sort of sound in the background to sleep. Uh, also, you know, obviously every year it's a faster phone. The battery lasts a little bit longer. You know, there's a new processing chip, you know, but it seems like every year it's just these little incremental changes and you don't really need a new phone every year. And I know this and I'm starting to wonder if I'm going to turn into an every two or every three years person. Uh, because they're just not doing enough to change the phone uh, for me to need it every year. And even as I say that, you know, I want to believe it, but I know damn well, you know, that next September or October or whenever it is, when they have that event, the juices are going to start flowing and I'm going to be pre-ordering that damn iPhone 13 and my wife is going to be like, well, what's different this year? And I'm going to be saying, well, uh, uh, the processor is better. The battery life is longer. You know, I wonder sometimes, did innovation die with Apple when Steve Jobs did? Have they been faking it to make it, you know, all these years since his death? Maybe, probably, I don't know. But man, I love getting that damn new iPhone and like some of the other diseases in my life like the Saints and the Sabres and Crohn's disease I'm just not ready to be cured of it just yet i